Hello and welcome to our podcast, Sulfuric Acid Fundamentals Detached from Supply and Demand. I am Tom Bavington, the Multimedia and Program Manager here at Argus Media, and today I am joined by Kate Wilcock, our Global Sulfuric Acid Editor. Kate, uh, why don't you begin by explaining the kind of trends and fundamental changes in sulfuric acid prices, uh, both currently and in the past year? Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for joining me. So prices for sulfuric acid across the globe began declining early in 2019 and continued to fall nearly unabated over the following 12 months. And as of early April 2020, most CFR regions are now sitting at the lowest or near lowest levels on record. Interestingly, the fundamentals underpinning these extremely low acid prices at present are not just linked to prompt demand. Certainly, spot prices are struggling to find firm flooring with lockdown conditions changing daily for consumers, ports and logistics operators. But for the broader picture on prices, over the past year, China has had a huge impact on global supply and demand, swinging from a net importer of around 1 million tonnes as recently as 2018 to being an exporter of more than 2 million tonnes in 2019. And this is largely attributed to a huge expansion in China's base metal smelting capacity. There's also some changes in the freight market that are impacting trade flows and overall CFR prices. An increase in stainless steel tankers in recent years and a larger dead weight capacity has mostly brought down prices on long-haul routes. A deep negative FOB price in China, South Korea and Japan in the past few months has certainly opened up some very interesting arbitrage opportunities for Asian sellers to as far as field as Morocco and North America. Okay, so have price decreases resulted in any changes in sulfuric acid output? It's interesting, and despite the potential demand destruction facing non-ferrous metal producers, there's been little in the way of output cuts, with the current sentiment that demand and prices will recover and stockpiling is preferable over costly shutdowns. Treatment and refining charges are hitting multi-year highs, so certainly there is encouragement to keep concentrate throughput stable. As a result, sulfuric acid supply has not decreased markedly in the past two to three months. Some reductions are occurring in Latin America, a key copper-producing region, where government lockdowns and resulting curtailments on worker movements have seen smelters and refineries reduce production. Sulfur burners have reduced output, but this is fairly normal in these circumstances. Okay, so does this mean that the big question is all around demand? (laughs) Yes, definitely. Demand destruction for discretionary buying really is the big question, and that is, will recovery be a V-shape or more of a Nike tick shape? So while fertilizer demand is broadly resilient, there will be a drop-off in demand from non-food crops such as soy, corn, palm oil for biodiesel, cotton for clothing, and so on. The, the fall in non-food crops is also pressuring crop prices, and this will have an impact on farmers' margins and the available spend for inputs such as fertilisers. We know certainly when margins are squeezed, farmers will opt for nitrogen inputs and delay phosphate applications. And this is significant as phosphate fertilisers such as DAP and MAP account for around 45% of sulfuric acid demand. 
Lower priced inputs such as SSP and ammonium sulfate only account for up to 10% of acid demand. But there is good news in that merchant acid throughput at phosphate producers who can switch between importing acid and captively burning sulfur will continue to provide a good outlet for attractively priced sulfuric acid cargos. In the industrial sector, demand has dropped hugely from the automotive industry, which impacts sulfuric acid consumers such as caprolactam, TiO2 and battery materials for car making components. And the decrease in private vehicle usage is denting demand for octane boosters such as alkalite. Demand from the metals leaching sector is stable at present, with most acid-consuming assets reasonably mature and few new to market or high-cost entrants. But smaller, high-cost leaching operations may scale back or stop if copper prices do continue to fall. Thanks, Kate. So just one final question for our listeners. Um, what does the near-term outlook look like for sulfuric acid? The, the outlook for exporter nations certainly is okay in that they are receiving some benefit from local currency weakness against the US dollar and lower import costs for oil, energy. These things are beneficial as are lower interest rates. But for demand segments that have expanded rapidly in recent years amid high prices and a heavy debt burden, such as the battery materials sector, there will be production shutdowns and project suspensions now and also in the future. Demand for caprolactam and TiO2-related products have been on a downward trend for more than six months, and they are among many indicators that there are more downside factors at play than just the coronavirus. Uh, aside from fertilizer demand, there is good news in that numerous sulfuric acid consumers are non-discretionary, such as water treatment, pulp and paper, and to a smaller extent, rubber and detergent. So we see some baseline demand being maintained. Okay, thank you very much, Kate. And thanks to everyone who's joined us. Remember, you can find more of our podcasts at www.argusmedia.com forward slash podcasts.